Crisis of Conscience, 4th edition, by Raymond Franz, former member of the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses, published by Commentary Press, Atlanta, 2004. Unless otherwise indicated, scripture quotations are from the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, published by the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society of New York, Incorporated. Abbreviations of Bible translations referred to in the footnotes include J.B., the Jerusalem Bible, N.E.B., the New English Bible, N.I.V., the New International Version, R.S.V., the Revised Standard Version, N.R.S.V., the New Revised Standard Version. Wherever possible, and for the sake of authenticity, an effort has been made within this book to present quotations from other publications by direct photocopies. Since certain of these publications may go back as far as 90 years in the past, the quality of the type may not always be of the highest standard. Forward. In the history of a religious organization, there can be defining moments, particular times and circumstances that allow for seeing beyond external appearance and recognizing the true character and essential spirit of the organization. The organization's own self-image, its dominant cast of mind and outlook, its motivating force, and its pattern of response to disagreement or challenge can then be seen more clearly. The factors that come to light may have actually been there all along at the inner core of the organization, but were beneath the surface, even at odds with external appearances and professed principles. The defining moment may produce a portrait that is disturbingly different from the image the organization holds in the minds of its membership, and that defining period may even escape their notice if those at the organization's center can effectively suppress awareness of it. Most of the readers of the book that follows will have at least some familiarity with the religion of Jehovah's Witnesses. Consider, then, the following statements and ask yourself as to the possible source of these expressions, and also as to their validity. The natural man can see that a visibly organized body, with a definite purpose, is a thing of more or less power. Therefore, they esteem the various organizations, from which we have come out, in obedience to the Master's call. But the natural man cannot understand how a company of people, with no organization which they can see, is ever going to accomplish anything. As they look upon us, they regard us as simply a few scattered skirmishers, a peculiar people, with very peculiar ideas and hopes, but not worthy of special notice. Under our captain, all the truly sanctified, however few or far separated in person, are closely united by the Spirit of Christ in faith, hope, and love and, in following the Master's command, are moving in solid battalions for the accomplishment of his purpose. But bear in mind, God is not dependent upon numbers. We always refuse to be called by any other name than that of our head, Christians, continually claiming that there can be no division among those continually led by his spirit and example, as made known through his word. Beware of organization. It is wholly unnecessary. The Bible rules will be the only rules you will need. Do not seek to bind others' consciences, and do not permit others to bind yours. Believe and obey so far as you can understand God's word today, and so continue growing in grace and knowledge and love day by day. By whatsoever names men may call us, it matters not to us. 
we acknowledge none other name than the only name given under heaven and among men, Jesus Christ. We call ourselves simply Christians, and we raise no fence to separate from us any who believe in the foundation stone of our building mentioned by Paul, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and those for whom this is not broad enough have no right to the name Christian. If asked to assess these statements and characterize the principles they advance among Jehovah's Witnesses today, most would certainly classify them as of an apostate source. The actual source is, however, the Watchtower magazine of an earlier time. See the Watchtower magazines of March 1883, February 1884, and September 15, 1885. For photocopies of the actual material, see the book in Search of Christian Freedom, pages 72 through 76, Commentary Press, Atlanta, 1999. The rejection and discarding of the principles espoused in those published statements were factors in a major transformation within a body of people initially joined together in free affiliation, having no visible organizational structure, and their transposition into a highly centralized organization with a distinctive name and the claim to the exclusive right to be viewed as genuinely Christian. That transformation took place many decades ago, yet the pattern it established remains in effect to this day and exercises a controlling force. Similarly with the events and circumstances set forth in Crisis of Conscience, they point to a defining moment in more recent times, one that for many may be as unfamiliar as the previous quotations from the Watchtower magazine. The evidence presented in this fourth edition demonstrates the continuing impact of that period's developments through the succeeding years and into this 21st century. Rather than diminish their relevance, the years that have passed have instead served to enhance the significance of that period and its events, to validate the picture that unfolds and provide living examples of the accompanying effect on people's lives. It is against the background of that defining period that one can discern a reality that is as meaningful and crucial today as it was at the time of the original writing of this book. When persons are in great danger from a source that they do not suspect, or are being misled by those they consider their friends, is it an unkindness to warn them? They may prefer not to believe the warning. They may even resent it. But does that free one from the moral responsibility to give that warning? The Watchtower Magazine, January 15, 1974 Life is uncertain, and when a man dies, what he knows dies along with him, unless he passes it on while still in life. What this book contains is written out of a sense of obligation to people whom I sincerely love. In all good conscience, I can say that its aim is to help and not to hurt. If some of what is presented is painful to read, it was also painful to write. It is hoped that the reader will recognize that the search for truth need never be destructive of faith, that every effort to know and uphold truth will, instead, strengthen the basis for true faith. What those reading this information will do with it is, of course, their own decision. At least it will have been said, and a moral responsibility will have been met.